Today we are talking about rest, and uh, as we were prepping this morning, we were back in the, uh, the green room back here, uh, we were kind of talking about that. Hey, we're talking about rest today, and somebody said, you know, we should have like given everybody like pillows like on the way in. I'm like, no, that's the last thing I want to encourage is y'all sleeping out there during my message, you know. I uh, don't want you to be too sleepy, but we are talking about rest today, and a lot of times the process for me when I'm prepping a message is, and really... Um, kind of what typically comes first is that I like to think about uh, a central theme. So what is it, if, if God was going to communicate one thing to his people, what would it be? And, and I, if, if I can really get there, um, I make that nice and concise and, remem- and memorable. Um, the truth is, today, that, that line is not even in my message. Because as I was standing back there today, the Lord was like, Here, here's what you need to remind them of. Here's what you need to remind them of. Here's your task today. And that is that momentum is rooted in rest. Momentum is rooted in rest. That's what God wants you to hear this morning is that momentum, this life of momentum is rooted in rest. And so we're going to spend the next 30 minutes talking about that. And um, we've been in this series called Momentum, which is all about living this life that carries great momentum, that has this this force of God behind it uh, as we live uh, and walk uh, with strength and momentum into our life. Uh, Mark talked week one about getting unstuck. Like some of you have been in these places where you just feel like you're in a rut, right? You're stuck. Um, Stephen last week talked about the importance of being on the journey together, uh, having a pit crew, having people alongside you to help you generate momentum in your life. And today we again are talking about pit stops and the importance of pit stops in generating momentum in our life that this idea of momentum is really rooted in rest. And so that's uh, what will hopefully become more and more clear as we spend some time talking uh, this morning. So let me ask you a question. This is a literal question, all right? Has anyone ever run out of gas before? Anybody been out on the road and you've run out of gas? And all right, so a lot of you have, and you're probably like me, because there's this thing on my car that says miles to empty, and I like to see, like, how, if I can break a record. Like, I'm like, how close can I get that thing down before? And we've gotten into the gas station with, like, the mile mark, right? Or like, some of you have been less than that. Some of you obviously have been less than that. Uh, I've never actually run out of gas myself. However, Stephen likes to push his luck. He does. He likes to go even beyond the one mile down to the zero. And one time we're getting ready to take off toward Columbus, and uh, we've got this meeting with a bunch of pastors up there. And uh, I could tell, like, early on that, like, there's not a lot of, like, we should probably get gas before we even go. He's like, oh, it's good, good. So we, we take off, and uh, we're running a little bit late for the meeting. And I'm watching this meter just continue to drop and drop and drop, and I'm just like, you know, every now and again, I'll make a comment, like, oh, there's a gas station, you know, like, we, we can stop real quick. Well, now we got to get there. And finally, like, that little light's on, and now we're like, I mean, that light probably came on, in my view, like, somewhere near Dayton. Like, the light is on, and we got to make it to, oh, we'll be right there. It'll be fine. Right when we get off the exit, we'll grab some gas. We're running late for the meeting. We don't have time to stop. And I'm just kind of thinking, bro, like, the gas light's been on for quite a while now. And then he'll tell me something like, don't worry, there's a reserve tank, right? Like, you've heard that line, like, oh, don't worry, there's a reserve tank. Like, and nobody ever knows how much is in the reserve tank. Like, it's just this mysterious amount of reserve that's eventually going to run out, and then we're going to be sitting on the side of the road. Now, to add sort of insult to injury, um, no pun intended, I, this was after I shattered my ankle, so I had crutches. So, like, if we run out of gas, I'm very little help, you know? Like, and so, sure enough, we're literally within miles of the exit, 
and it just starts to putter. And I can see because he's pushing down as hard as he can, and the thing is just, we're like, the this, this speedometer is going, you know, we're like, and so here we go, we're rolling out to the side of the road, and I'm like, you know, didn't want to be like, told you so, but kind of. And uh, so now the guy with the crutches is standing out off the side of the road with his crutches while Stephen goes and jogs a couple miles up to get us enough gas to get a, now we're going to be even later, you know, I'm just saying. And, uh, and it's funny because, like, here's the guy is with crutches, and how many cars stop to help me, right? None. I'm out there with crutches, and cars are just whizzing by me off to the side. Of the, like, nobody's thinking, like, oh, oh, that guy looks like he needs some help. No. No. So... Anyway, um, some of us have been in that position where we run out of gas. All right, let me ask you the same question figuratively. Have you ever run out of gas? When you think about life, when you think about uh, momentum and living a life of momentum, have you ever gotten to the place where you've just been running on fumes? And some of you are kind of, I can tell right now, you're kind of nodding along like, how about right now? Right now, right? Have you ever gotten to the place to use a different analogy where you've just crashed and burned. You're like, okay, like I've just been going too hard for too long and there's a crash and a burnout at some point. So let me just ask you this question to really set, set, set us up for thinking today and that's this. Where would you say your life tank is this morning? Is it closer to full or empty? Like you have to visualize, okay, that is, and maybe that gas light has been on for a while now and you know it. And it's time to do something about it. And maybe that's the very reason you're here today. Because I believe that momentum is rooted in consistent rest. Not just a one-time rest, but consistent rest. God made us in such a way that we require rest. We require pit stops. And what separates us as the people of God is, is not that we need pit stops. Everybody needs pit stops. I mean, everybody is going to run out of gas one way or another. Whether they recognize their human limitation or not, we're all going to run out of gas at some point. What separates us is not that we need rest. What separates us as a group of people, as people who hope in God, is where we go for our rest. That's the difference, is where we go for our rest. We believe what Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, which says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so we believe that Jesus is our source of rest, and momentum is rooted in rest. And so today what I want to do is I wanna, we're going to take a little collective pit stop together, and what we're going to do is a, a spiritual three-point inspection. All right? I want you to think about these three areas of your life, um, and we're just going to spend some time uh, doing a spiritual three-point inspection. And the idea today is that we can hopefully grab some tools here. Because uh, this isn't just about, anytime we're up here, it's not just about me giving you information about the Bible. It's about taking the words of God and actually applying those things to our life. And, and so that they can serve us to live the life of momentum that he has for us. And so these are meant to just be tools for your own self-assessment. And so here's the three things I would challenge you on this morning. The first one is this, and this is one of the purposes of biblical rest godly rest, finding our rest in Jesus, and the first challenge would be this, adjust your alignment, adjust your alignment. I have an old gray truck, you guys have seen it out there, Aiden calls it my old junk truck, which I don't know why he calls it that, I think it's an awesome truck, 
but it does have some limitations in terms of speed. Like, you get out on the highway, and, like, everything starts to kind of get a little shaky, and some of you got cars like that. Some of you have an alignment issue right now where you're just, like, holding on to the steering wheel, and, like, you're doing this thing the whole time. Like, something is out of alignment, and you know it. Something's off kelter. Um, you don't have to raise your hand, but anyone who feel like that way in your life sometimes like, you know you're just not operating at your highest level. Like, you're still in motion. You're still moving along. But something is out of alignment. And you could just sense it uh, within you. Maybe it's that we need to realign our priorities. Like, the immediate things are overshadowing the important things. And I can admit that because I know that this happens to me. And I'm coming out of a season of life where I'm evaluating, okay, what are the important things? Like, what are the things that I need to be aligned on? What are the things that I need to be focused on? And are the immediate things overshadowing the important things? Because the immediate things will always push their way in, right? They'll always push their way in, but are we focusing on the important things? You see, pit stops are necessary for us to remind ourselves of what's important. Even Jesus took frequent pit stops due to the high demands on him. I mean, talk about somebody that was in high demand Jesus was in high demand. I mean, everywhere he went, people were flocking to him to get something healed or something addressed in their life. And everywhere, I mean, just imagine that. Everywhere you go, somebody needs something. And this is captured in Mark 1, 35 through 38. And it says, here's what Jesus would do because of that. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. I mean, right there, it sets the precedent. Jesus knew that he had high demand on him. And so over and over again, we see this pattern at at work in Jesus' life. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, right, he goes out. So first thing, he he got up and left the house, physically removes himself to a solitary place where he prays. And then after that moment, Simon and his companions, they went to look for him. Like, where's Jesus at? Like, we need this guy. Right? These people are, are people everywhere that, that need help. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everybody's looking for you. Like, they're like, the, the moment they're like, hey, Jesus, how's your morning going? Everybody's looking for you. Everybody, anybody else feel like that? Like, you're like, everybody's always looking for me. You know, everybody always needs something. Right? In every area of my life, it feels like everything is just pressing in on me. Everybody is looking for me. And Jesus replied in this way, let us go somewhere else to the nearby Uh, villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So to this, everybody is looking for you. They need you. Jesus' response is, let's leave. (laughs) We're going somewhere else. I'm out of here, right? Like, but that's not really the intent of it, right? He's not just saying, forget all these people. In fact, we know that Jesus' intentions were always good. We know that his motives were always pure, but even Jesus had to say no, right? Even sometimes he had to check those immediate things to say, no, i got to come back on what is important here. I need to refocus and realign because and you can see he's very intentional about the way he lives his life. That is why I have come. So, so what does that look like for you? Why do you feel like God has put you here? What are the important things for you? What is the, that is why I have come, that is why I am here? What are the big things See, we must do the thing, the same thing that Jesus does with God's help and guidance. Pit stop, pray, choose what is best. I uh, read a, a book about Chip Gaines, and some of you guys fixer-upper fans out there. And as you know, the show has been, um, is done, and, but it would have kept on going. But the backstory behind that, as I read, read Chip Gaines' um, uh, uh, 
his book, his biography, autobiography, is the reason behind why Fixer Upper eventually took a break. They, they stopped. Um, they, they shut down the show. Um, and there was actually just this random tweet that struck Chip in a, in a way that just re, reoriented his life. And it was a, a, a tweet that was from one of his customers. And basically it was something along the lines of, hey, Chipper Gaines. So they like tagged him in a post and said, where's my, and I can't remember what the item was, like where's my rug? Been waiting on it for three weeks. And so he realized in that moment, like, wow, I have these things that I was responsible for. Now, he wasn't necessarily individually responsible for that, but something was getting missed in his company. And, and he realized, like, wait a minute. Like, I've been spending so much time over here with this show that something is getting missed over here. And he said that was the thing, that one tweet changed the trajectory and it allowed him to realize that, something that he knew all along in his life, that he was really ever, he was only good at doing two things really big things at a time. And now, obviously, there's always going to be plenty of little tasks that we have to do, right? Just by necessity, we're going to have. But in terms of the big things in his life, he realized that he would only operate at the highest level if he was doing two things. And he said, at the moment, I'd been doing three things. I'd been trying to, to raise these babies up to be all that God wants them to be. I was trying to uh, run this small company that was, we're, we're trying to, to advance called uh, Magnolia. And number three, we were trying to do this show on HGTV, which for a long time, by God's grace, we were allowed to do that. But he came to the realization that one of those things had to go. And the thing that had to go was the most monetarily profitable thing, right, this, this show. But he knew that that was not the most important thing in his life, and so he had to evaluate. And so my question is, what are your top two? If you had to think about what are the most important things or what should be the most important things to you, and maybe you can't answer that right now because, you know, i gotta, I got to spend some time with God, allow him to, to, to give me that realignment and show me what that is. So the first question, the first thing I want you to think about uh, as we do this spiritual well check here is um, your alignment. Adjust your alignment. Think about your alignment. The second thing is this. Check your indicators. We have um, this van that has all kinds of, like, fancy sensors on it as opposed to old gray truck. This is a more, like, you know, more things going on with this, all the technological sensors and things like this on our van. And sometimes that stuff goes out of whack, and uh, we're on the highway. Uh, actually, it just happens randomly. Like, we cannot figure it out, but it happens randomly. You'll be just driving along, and all of a sudden, this loud screeching beep sound will just go off. It's like, like, I mean, just like that. Imagine having kids in the car. Imagine driving down the highway and imagine like just trying and it's just and there's nothing you can do to make it stop. We're like, oh, I don't know. And being going down the highway is the last point in time when you want something to be going wrong. Like, right? Like something is clearly wrong here, but I can't figure out what it is. I have no idea what's because there's no other indicators except for this loud sensor that's going off. And I took it into Honda and they're like, well, we can't reproduce the symptoms right now, so uh, we can't help you. I'm like, what? just fix it all. I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I can't drive down the road. And, just, and, and so in the moment that I take it there, they, it's never going off, right? But when I'm driving down the road, it's always going off. And I can't figure out something is trying to tell me something is wrong, but I don't know what. And that's what indicators do, right? They're there to make us aware of a problem. Wouldn't it be nice if our body and our soul had built-in indicators like that? Just like just a loud beep. Like I was walking around like, that's, something's wrong. Like I wouldn't that be nice? Well, your body does have indicators, actually. One of the things we tell our athletes over uh, at the gym is you need to listen to your body. Like, what's your body trying to tell you? 
And, you know, because I, I can't tell you what your body's trying to tell you. I can only tell you what my body's trying to tell me. I can observe some things maybe that might seem off about you, but what is your body trying to tell you? Why? Because soreness is an indicator, right? Soreness is an indicator. Pain is definitely an indicator. If you have prolonged pain, that is definitely an indicator of something. Numbness is an indicator. If you just all of a sudden lose feeling in your arm, like, that is an indicator that there is a problem, like, somewhere in my body. Flushed face is an indicator. If you're sick, fever, right, is a good indicator. Like, okay, <coughs> excuse me, I need to do something about that. Fever is an indicator. And the same is true for us spiritually. We have built-in indicators. And Jesus, as there was some argument about um, some things that um, s- some folks around him were confused about, Jesus is shedding some light on this idea that there was some argument about, hey, you guys aren't washing your hands before. And there's this idea that everything, y- this cleanliness was, came from things on the outside. And Jesus was reversing our thinking a little bit when he tells us this, are you still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into your mouth passes through the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. And so Jesus' point here is, listen, the stuff on the out inside is eventually going to come out. So pay attention to what those kinds of things uh, might be indicating in your life. He's saying evil thoughts are an indicator. If you're so desensitized to things that you can watch whatever you want to watch on Netflix, it doesn't even bother you, that might be an indicator of something. Impurity is an indicator. If you just notice that you have a lot of thoughts that are just not pure thoughts, they're not good thoughts, that is an indicator of something. Irritability is an indicator of something. Discontentment with what I have in my life is an indicator of something. If you're stressed out all the time, that's an indicator of something. The way that you treat the people around you, that's an indicator of something spiritually. And Jesus tells us in Luke 6.45, he says that a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. And so we've got to say, what is our heart telling us about where we're at in life? Pit stops allow us to back up for a minute and check our indicators. So those things are all indicators that our soul needs to be refueled and and refreshed. The solution to all the things that we talked about, all those indicators, is really the same solution spiritually. Momentum is rooted in rest. It's coming back to this place where we rest in God, we rest in Jesus, we allow him to do this work inside of us. It's not so that we go and see the indicator and be like, okay, now I fix my own problem. I know, I know what the problem is, and so now let me address that problem. Let me work harder uh, on this irritability issue. Let me work harder on this discontentment issue. No, the idea is not that we work harder. The idea scripturally is that we rest more in Jesus so that he can produce more of the good fruit that comes from him. And so what are your indicators telling you? The last challenge I'd have for you is this, pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. And some of us just need to do that. We need to pump the brakes. You ever notice lately that everybody's in a hurry? And I, I know that I'm in a hurry. I know that Actually, when I was telling Jess about this message today, I was like, hey, babe, like, here's what I'm teaching on, and um, what do you, how do you think I should intro it? And she should say, you should start out by just saying, 
this is something that I have a lot of work on, what I'm about to talk to you about today. I'm like, thanks, babe. Love you. Um, She's right, though, and this has been convicting to me, and this is why these questions that I'm throwing out to you are questions that I'm asking myself, questions that I'm wrestling with, because we have got to, if we want to live a life of momentum and not crash and burn and not sputter out and not continue to run on fumes, we've got to get back to the place where we find our rest in Jesus so that we might be able to live with momentum. We're all in a hurry, though. There was a guy the other day, I was driving out from church, little gray truck, you know, I was, I was doing a good speed, you know, too, down, I was like, whatever the speed limit was, I was like right up on that, and uh, um, there was like a bunch of other cars in front of me going down 42, too, where like, I, you know, I like to give people a reasonable distance behind them, I'm not trying to ride up, some of you I know are not that person, you're like up on, because you've had you behind me before, like, what are you doing, man, you know, like, you think you're going to push my pace, you know, you think you're going to push me along, make me go fast, and what does that usually do, it makes me go, slow down a little, I know, I'm, I, pray for me, you know, like, but that's what I want to, you know, like, you're right, that's what I want to do, but this guy, he's like, there's 40 other cars ahead of me, and there's just enough gap in front of me and him, like, to where, like, this guy in front of me, so I'm, like, giving him, like, and the car behind me passes me, like, like, goes this far, right back in front of me, I'm like, cool, dude, like, that's all, that's really a way to go, and there's, like, 40 other cars, like, he's not going anywhere, and so we literally arrive at Lebanon, in Lebanon, from Mason, one car length apart. I'm like, good job. Hey, wait, way to, way to make up time, you know? Like, I wish I could tell him that, you know? I'm not bitter. It's an indicator, I know, I know. It'll work. But faster isn't always better. And you know this, right? Because you miss things from time to time. You drop the ball from time to time. Maybe you're not as innovative as you could be because you've got no margin in your life to just, like, think and, and just come up with these ideas that maybe God would give you or these thoughts and this wisdom that God would give you because you're moving so fast. And we can think of a lot of things. Um, if we had some time, I'd let you share some of like, There's Not everything is better faster, right? I don't want my doctor to do my surgery faster, right? Like, hey, do it for time, buddy. Like, let's see. Let's see how, you, how fast you can get this done and get me out. No, I want you to do that the right way, right? Like, I want you to take your time. I don't want you to be in a hurry on that. And I know I make more mistakes when I'm in a hurry. We were doing this, uh, we were working on uh, finishing out an office area uh, for my dad um, out in in his farm. And um, he has this barn area that we're just putting some walls up. And I was like, I was working for speed. Like, I I was like, let's build these walls. And so speed with a nail gun is not always the best thing. Some of you are like, I'm not going to work with you. But my brother, I'm shooting nails. And somehow, like when you shoot a nail gun, you got to put pressure on the board and you got to pull the trigger. Now, what I had done in speed was I put pressure on the board, but it was on the side of the board, and then I pulled the trigger, and my brother just happened to duck right at that time, and we just see this nail whipping across the, you know, hitting right on the side of the the barn, I'm like, well, that was close, you know, and he's just like, uh, yeah, like, I think, he's like, I think I'm going to take a break, like, I don't, I I think I should take a break too, right? Hurry, this is, this is a symptom, these, all these mistakes are a symptom of a bigger problem, which is hurry. Forgetting my wallet, hypothetically, losing my keys all the time, right, missing a meeting, these are symptoms of a greater problem, right? And if we find ourselves continuing to run into these things, we've got to ask, okay, what, what, what kind of pace am I operating at? Maybe it's time to pump the brakes. And we know this, the wrong pace can take a toll. There is a toll on our health. 
When we see this, the, the, the faster, I mean, there's plenty of studies out there to show, to reinforce that idea that when we move too quickly, our health takes a toll. There's a toll on our family. There's a toll on our friendships. And most importantly, there's a spiritual toll that we see when we operate always at a fever pitch in a hurry. That's why God commands us. I mean, all throughout the Old Testament, we see this commandment to rest. And when Jesus steps onto the scene and he speaks about the Sabbath, which meant stop, it meant pump the brakes, it meant every week we're going we're gonna to put the brakes on to reset. Why? Because um, at the end of the day, if we want to take that next week with momentum, that's rooted in rest. So we better take some spiritual rest so that we can operate at the highest level that God would have us in the week to come. And so they, they, they set up and established this law that was one of the commandments of um, the Sabbath, keep the Sabbath holy. And Jesus reinforces this and elevates this. And there's some argument one time, um, and we see this in Mark 22, 22 through 28, where the Pharisees are being really restrictive about, here's what the Sabbath is all about, and Jesus gives them a different understanding. It says that one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples were walking along, they picked some grain, some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, they're doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath. And he answered, have you ever read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need in the days of Abathar, the high priest? He entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, and this was his main point, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is the Lord even of the Sabbath. And his point is, you guys are missing the entire point. This is not about placing something restrictive on somebody. This is about allowing them to, to live life in the way that they were meant to live life. He's not undermining Jesus and undermining the Old Testament. He's giving them a fuller view of it. Simply put, the Sabbath was made for us because we need it. It's meant to be a gift to be enjoyed, not another restrictive burden to be laid on us. In Hebrews, it says this, in Hebrews 4, 9 through 11, it says this, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Again, as we find our rest in Jesus. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. And so Hebrews 4, 9 through 11. That's what God tells us to do. That's what he challenged us to do. And it's interesting, isn't it? Make every effort to enter that rest. And Jonathan, earlier when we were talking about it, he goes, that seems kind of ironic. Like, does he want us to make every effort? Does he want us to, make a, want us to rest? Like, which is it, right? It's both, right? Make every effort to do that very thing. If you're going to make an effort to do something, make an effort to enter that rest. Because we all know this. We all know this is not something new to you, but I'm just reminding you. We have to make margin. We have to make margin because margin is not going to make itself. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and be like, man, look at all this margin that I've got. Like I just, that's not what's going to happen because the demands are going to continue to, to pile up. Everyone around you is going to ride your tail, right, and push the pace, right? Everybody wants to push your pace, right? Everybody wants to push the pace of your family. Everybody wants you to operate, and the enemy would like nothing more than you to operate at a pace that is unhealthy for you and for your family, and you have to decide, listen, enough is enough. We're making margin here. We're pumping the brakes here. 
we have to make every effort to set a healthy pace for us and Listen, not just for us, and this is the thing that convicts me the most, is when I operate at that kind of pace, and I, a lot of times I'm just expecting my family to operate at that pace. I mean, how many times, like, and this is just going to be completely authentic, and I was sharing this with, with Ryan the other day. Um, we were spending some time just talking, just in complete honesty. Like, how many times has, like, Aiden asked me to do something, and I have to say I can't right now because dot, 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 dot. And those are all real things that have to happen, Right? Buddy, I can't right now. Buddy, I can't right now. How many times do I have to say that before I realize, wow, like, man, I, I should be, this, is, this, is, this should be one of my two things, right? This should be one of my two things. And so this is something that I'm convicted by. Hopefully, hopefully you're challenged by it in a good way, too, to where you can step back and evaluate. And so let me just ask the question, what pace are you operating at? What pace are you expecting those around you to operate at? John Ortberg, he recalls a time and his life was moving fast. He just started at this huge church. And the, the pace that that church operated at was a, a, a fast pace. And he just realized, like, at some point, like, he's checking his indicators. And, like, something is just not right here. And so he recalls. He says, I called a wise friend to ask for some spiritual direction. I described the pace of my life and my current ministry. The church where I serve tends to move at a fast clip. I also told him about our rhythms of family life. We're in the van driving, soccer league, piano lessons, school orientation night, years of our life. And I told him about the present condition of my heart as best as I could discern it. What did I need to do, I asked him, to, to be spiritually healthy. His friend, who's Dallas Willard, maybe you've heard of him, he just paused for a while, listened to his friend share all these things, and just responded this way. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And Ortberg is like, okay, cool, I've written that one down. And he's like, I, I, I told him a little impatiently, that's a good one. He's like, I had other things to get to. So I asked him, all right, now what else? What else you got? Like, uh, is that another long pause, and Willard responds again. He says, there's nothing else. He said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Church, I think it's time we pump the brakes. Stop letting everything around us and everyone around us push our pace, but step back and rest in Jesus. So let me just give you some, some homework for this summer. Slow down. Sip some lemonade. Soak up God's goodness and everything. Just take a look around. Just worship and glorify God by spending some time out under the moon near a fire pit. Go for a hike. Get out into nature. Have good spiritual conversations with friends. Dive deep into his word. Just get lost in his word this summer. Bury yourself in times of prayer. Use this summer to find rest in Jesus. Make every effort to do one thing this summer. Find rest in Jesus. And that's what we got to do if we want to really, truly live with momentum. It's not about trying harder. It's about rooting ourselves more deeply in Jesus. Momentum is rooted and rest. I want to give you three questions. I want you, you can take a picture of these screens, but here's just something I want you to use to just assess where am I at with this stuff. And again, this is not just meant for you to be like, okay, cool principles. It would be easy to, for me to stand up here and you think, okay, that, that makes sense. I'm nodding along. I get it. Um, that makes sense to me, but we can walk away and change absolutely nothing, right? We can just drive right out of here at the same pace that we drove in here with. So let me just give you these three questions It'd probably be helpful to just take a picture of the screen and then go back this week and just spend some time evaluating. So here's, here's the first question. 
on alignment. Are you aligned with God and his priorities? Where do you need realignment? What should be your top two focuses? So there's, there's question number one. Take a picture, write it down. Spend some time praying through that, honestly evaluating it, allowing God to direct you on that particular question. <coughs> All right, question number two. What are your indicators telling you? Where do you need God to refuel you? Spend some time figuring out what is, I don't know what is telling me what, but what are these indicators telling me in my life? Give you a minute to take a picture of that if you want to, write that down. All right, question number three. What pace are you running at? What pace are you setting for those around you? How sustainable is that pace? Is it contributing to spiritual health or decline? This could be the moment that keeps you from crashing and burning. This could be the moment from, that keeps you from just completely running out of gas. I mean, right here, spending some time this week with God and allowing him to refuel you in this way. I'm going to pray for that, and then David's just going to play for a minute, and we're just going to take, and it's going to, it might feel like a really long time, we're just going to take two minutes to just do nothing in here. Just inhale the presence of God, invite him to speak, into, just do nothing. We're not going to, he's just going to play, and you're just going to, if you want to take a nap, quick two-minute nap, right? And if you want to take a nap longer than that, too, just you know, set up shop, that's fine, we can, we can stay there. But we're just going to spend some time um, leaning into Jesus and following, stepping into his invitation to come to him, all who are weary. Father, you're good. I know that I just take so much delight in being close to you, but I know that I need to continue to make every effort to get close to you. Not just because I want to live a life of momentum, but because I just want to be close to you. I want to love you. I want to know you more. So, God, I just pray for your people out there. I pray, God, that you would meet them in this place. I pray that you would help surface some things in their life and help them to find realignment. Help them to see the kinds of things that might be going on in their heart right now, and God, I pray that you would help them to just overall slow down and just make this a summer to remember, a summer of true rest in you. I pray this in Jesus' name.